Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together, chapter by chapter, out loud. Here we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. The ball is definitely rolling here, and we're really getting into the, the meat of Paul's argument. Again, we saw in the first chapter this overarching theme of unity versus division, and in here it really is coming to the fore in, in more detail, and particularly in this spiritual versus uh, of the flesh distinction here, right? And, and this is, I think, where we're going to spend a lot of time today, I think, uh, because people talk about the flesh when they're quoting the scriptures a lot, but are we really understanding that the right way? Um, also, you know, we're talking about spiritual food today. You know, like, uh, I feel like as a pastor, I hear people talk about, you know, are they spiritually fed, right? So th- those are those are ideas, I think, that are very applicable to ourselves in our own context. And so I think this is going to be a really good conversation to just unpack these things for what Paul was getting at in Corinth, but then also for ourselves. So good stuff that we have to be looking forward to today. And joining us as our guest, we've got Pastor Ryan Fairman, pastor at Zion Lutheran Church in Wausau, Wisconsin. Good morning, brother. Good to have you with us. Thank you. It's good to be here. God's peace to you. Yeah, and peace to you likewise, brother. Uh, you know, I I guys, I was I've been saying already. You know, I just I love First Corinthians. It's um, and, and I really actually it you know it was something I didn't really come to appreciate. Uh, more fully until a few years ago when I really had impressed upon me just how this this unity theme is 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 really just throughout um, it, it's not just kind of uh, random thoughts that you know occurred to Paul like oh okay this would be good and oh I'll, let me put that in there uh, <laughs> but but no like he, it, all of it's uh, very well shaped towards this this final goal yeah well Paul writes as someone that's educated and so yeah. he he doesn't he doesn't waste words and neither does the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't waste words. That's 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 well said. Uh, yeah, so good stuff to be looking at today. Um, yeah, looking looking forward to this chapter here. Uh, good opportunity for a conversation, like I was saying. Let's go ahead and mm-hmm. get started. As we do, would you, brother, say a prayer for us? Sure. I'm going to use a. I I have a prayer I particularly like for studying scriptures by an English reformer named Thomas Cranmer. Let me pray it with oh, you. Oh yeah. All right. Blessed Lord, since you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Uh, amen. Amen. Yeah, English Reformation in stuff. There, and that chapter has some eating in it, so I thought it would work good together. Yeah, so inwardly, inwardly digest. digest yeah. 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 No. Ex- exactly. That's 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 good. It, it's a it's a it's a fun it's a fun metaphor that that we've seen kind of pop up a lot. Reminds me like when we were looking at Isaiah, and I think also it was mm-hmm. in um, Zechariah. Where you had like the eating of the scroll, right? That was that was, that mm-hmm. was a fun one. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, so, lots, lots of one, good I'm stuff. I'm surrounded by co- by cows, and so they're always chewing the cud. Uh, and so <laughs> in a way that we kind of take the word in and we kind of spit it back out and think about it and take it in and you know just an ongoing process. It's kind of like the Christian life. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's right. I, I, uh, I, I like saying sometimes when there's something that someone brings up, and I'm like, you know, I'm not, I'm not ready to like say whether I like, I really like agree or disagree. I just say, you know, let me chew on that for a bit. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's what it feels like I got to do. Uh, all right. So yeah. So First Corinthians chapter three. Um, any, anything else you want to say about the chapter, just by way of like preview introduction? Um, just anything we should be keeping in mind before we go ahead and read it through. I think you summarized it pretty well. I mean, we're kind of heading into a transition. Paul's saying everything that came before. He's kind of finishing that argument, and then he's going to move on to other stuff in the book and four and on. Uh, so it's it's uh, it's good to pay attention to when Paul kind of finishes up his arguments. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. It, it is um, it is it is a little bit of a transition point. He is getting more more specific, right? Um, and, and we mm-hmm. actually just had some email questions come in, so maybe we can at least think of like a couple of these questions, um, just kind of have them in the back of our mind when we're reading here. Sure. Um, and so one of the questions is, what is the fundamental problem that Paul is having with Apollos and Cephas um, and their evangelizing mm-hmm. efforts? So that, that's that's interesting. You just kind of keep that in mind. What uh, what might other issues might he be running into with? Uh, other groups, other church leaders. Yeah, I think, I, I think you kind of do get some of that. Actually, when you're in Romans, you kind of get the the impression that he is having to kind of correct what another teacher has said. But <clears throat> without any further mm-hmm. ado, let's just let the chapter speak for itself, and then we'll kind of dig into some of those uh, very interesting questions. All right, so here we are. We've got. 1 Corinthians chapter three in the English Standard Version from verse one. But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you're not yet ready, for you're still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor, for we are God's, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he's wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. 
For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future, all are yours, and you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. Ah, so many good things. Uh, There's a lot of things in here, I think, that sound familiar and are very quotable. Uh, You know, the stuff about Mm -hmm. milk or spiritual food, the stuff about building the foundation. um, And with fire, I feel like that's one I've heard many questions on. We'll want to hit that. Um, I know that, uh, what was the the other one there? We are um, to James's question uh, over email. We're going to be talking about particularly with uh, Apollos and what's going on with that situation. So, uh, and mm-hmm. then, and then the last thing I, I feel like for for me that kind of is a, is a big one that I want to make sure we talk about at some point is this thing about the temple, right? Because I feel like that's another one where people talk about, well, you know, our, like we're we're a temple, or I'm a, I'm a temple, and we got to keep the temple pure, and um, and, and understanding how Paul is using that metaphor, um, it, it doesn't yeah, just kind of mean whatever it sounds like. Quotable yeah. things, and we uh, we have a tendency to kind of make memes out of yeah. uh, scripture, you know, little bites <laughs> yeah. without understanding yeah. the context of everything that's going on. That, that's the beginning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say, like, I, brother, I really, I, I like that. Uh, we, we make memes out of scripture because, I mean, it's, um, I mean, I, I just didn't realize this, but, you know, just having gotten to, to know a little bit of Gen Z a bit more, like, they make all these memes and they're like these little scenes or images from different movies very often. And they've never seen the movie. Like they've literally never seen it once, but they use the meme all the time. And and I'm just like, how, how do you, how do you like appreciate this? Or like, why, why do you care about this? Like, you don't even know what the story is. And it's just like, I don't know. I just, just do the meme. So, <laughs> so I mean, it's on life, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Right. But let's, so, yeah, let's not do that with the scriptures. So yeah, very good. Let's go back to the, to the top here. Uh, in, in verse one, and and I think uh, this this is going to come to that question that James sent in about Apollos um, pretty quickly. So mm-hmm. when when he says there, you know, I brothers could not address you as spiritual people. Um, I mean, that's interesting. He uses this form uh, that means that that's referring to the entirety of the time that he was with them. Okay, so this is going back, I think, to chapter 2, when he was saying, you know, when I was with you, I was with you in weakness and fear and trembling. So he's he's talking in summary about the time that he spent with um, the Corinthians in person, and he's saying, look, guys, uh, I mean, it seems to me, like he's saying, I know that the person who came after me was really impressive and eloquent and flashy and gave you these deep spiritual truths, but guys— I was laying the foundation because you weren't ready for it, and you're still not ready for the stuff that you got from the other people who came after me. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he's, he's not calling them non-Christian in this case, but he's, he's, he's talking about weird. So, yes, when Apollos comes in, and as far as we understand, you know, Apollos is highly trained like Paul is, and he has some rhetorical skills. He's got some preaching skills. 
and he's and he's well regarded that way. There's there's not animosity between Paul and Apollos or Cephas uh, here. Right. It's more it's more an issue of, well, you know, Pastor so and so has really good stories in his sermons, or it speaks really well, and <laughs> Pastor so and so is kind of boring. Uh, and and Paul, <laughs> Paul's basically saying, look, you are at a certain place. I need to speak to you a certain way. If if you take a preschooler and you're going to explain something to them, and you're going to explain the same subject to an adult, you're probably going to have a similar theme, but very different ways of approaching that information. And it's not very, yeah. uh, it's not very good uh, when Paul calls him. He says, you guys are, are babies. And it's yeah. kind of like saying, here's a 30-year-old baby. We like babies. We enjoy them. <laughs> but we also want them to grow up in a way so that we don't yeah. have a 30-year-old baby. And he said, you guys should be grown up. You should be adults. You should be men, women, but you're still infants in the faith. And so, and, and why? Because you're operating from the flesh. And he's talking about they're operating from a purely human perspective. Is the guy a good speaker? Is he kind of good looking? You know, does he really touch me emotionally instead of from a spiritual thing saying, well, what exactly is he saying? Right. Yeah, I know that that that's that's well said. Uh you know, it's weird the translation um in a certain respect. It says people of the flesh, and I feel like when you when you translate it like that, that's I, I mean, I think it's a little too strong um because it makes it sound like you mm-hmm. were saying like they're almost like they're not Christian, right? Um like like right. like they like they belong to like you know, the Lord says, you know, we're in the world not of the world, and here it's like you're of the flesh. What? Well, I mean, he doesn't say that. It's, you know, in the Greek it's, you know, osar uh, sarkinus, which is like you're uh, somewhat fleshy, <laughs> I think. like uh, like you're 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 act you're acting fleshy or you know or, or fleshly. So kind of pairing it off with uh, with spiritual, and he clearly says, you know, as you were saying, infants in Christ, right? So they are in Christ, but mm-hmm. like you were saying, I mean, they're they're young. Well, I mean, to be fair, right? They are like a young congregation, right? They're not thirty years old <laughs> as a congregation yet, right? Like so, it's it's to be expected that they are still going through growth spurts and and still uh, getting their molars in as it were right but um but but yeah like it, it's interesting that he he plays off in, in this way talking about maturity that was the word that he used last time in chapter 2 right uh, maturity mm-hmm. that that maturity christian maturity looks like this kind of spirituality whereas immaturity looks like this this fleshiness and fleshiness here is not you know being carnal right in in the sense of like you know oh these carnal passions and these these temptations of the flesh that's that's really not his emphasis at all is it no i I think it's more of just where they're making their decisions from yeah Uh, and so they're they're making their decisions from a yeah, and it's kind of hard to, to put it exactly was, but from a, a world's perspective, how how you're used to the world acting and judging things. And there's yeah. a whole different layer when it comes to, to judging things spiritually. And they just haven't grown into that. Uh, and so that's that's why he's saying, you know, you're not you're not operating from the position you need to. And he's gonna show them a little bit more of what a spiritual judgment looks like. And in this case he's yeah. gonna show them. Apollos and Paul, they're on the same page here. 
Uh, yeah, even that's if, right. if one is a better speaker than the other or whatever, whatever is going on at this point. Well, yeah. And you and you were mentioning, I think, some some really actually some very plausible suggestions there. Like you were, you were saying, like, you know, like, oh, well, uh, Paulus is much more interesting or his stories are much more entertaining or he he, mm-hmm. he uses humor in his sermons or, um, you know, oh, well, Paul, he's kind of boring um, or, or, you know, I don't know, Paul, he, like, honestly, his teeth are crooked. He doesn't look that good. He kind of distracts me. He's got a lazy eye, you know, just kind of keeps throwing me off, right? Like what, whatever it is, right? Because um, there actually are some mm-hmm. comments about what, what Paul might look like, and it doesn't particularly sound very good. Um, so, but, but you're getting this impression that, yeah, it's like they're, they're going off of, you know, you know this worldly perspective of like, you know, it, it's, uh, it reminds me of like when they uh, do like commercials or like movie adaptations, right? And it's like mm-hmm. they, they never pick like the actual people that the story is based on very rarely, right? They always get like a model. <laughs> right. To, Even when they want to ugly. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? There are no ugly people in any of our stories. You know, I mean, so it's just, it's it's like that where it's just like, you know, and if you're going to like have a, you know, like a commercial, it's like, oh, well, you know, this this maybe is like the inventor of this or like the, the person behind that, but they're not very attractive. So we're going to get this model to kind of pretend to be that person. Right. But, but that, that's a worldly perspective to, to be kind of focusing on how entertaining or impressive or attractive or, uh, you, you know, just uh, those, those kinds of things. So fleshly. Yeah. Like kind of, I, I think a good way to summarize it is it kind of like, is it took like a human perspective or, or that human obsession on power, you know, just, just um, like power in all its forms, whether it's uh you know, like political mm-hmm. or popularity or, um, I mean, I mean, just any, any attractiveness, right? Like any of those sorts of things, it's, it's, it's all power based. Yeah. You're being impressed by the wrong thing. Yeah. And maybe just say that they, and you yeah. know, this, this hasn't gone away. This is a temptation that exists in the church today. There's nothing wrong with enjoying a good speaker. The problem right. is, is, is when, when you say, you know, well, my pastor at home is just, you know, so-so, and this guy's really neat. But it, And especially now with everybody being online, uh, sure. there, there's a lot of that going on. But the reality is is the message that's brought. And, that, and that's what really what they start talking about, or Paul starts talking about in, in yep. going on from this section. Yeah, yeah, no, that's exactly right. Um, yeah, and of course, yeah, in the age of the Internet, it's, it's so easy to just— follow and find like the the most hilarious eloquent attractive you know pastor guy and just i'm gonna listen to him all the time right uh but mm-hmm. but yeah but it's uh, I, I think that we overlook that you know that a, a pastor um like you were saying can can be with us and, and live with us and go through life with us and knows where we're at because pastoral care is not just about you know, can you can you preach an awesome sermon with like all the best rhetorical devices and everything else? So I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. certainly helpful. That's helpful. <laughs> that's helpful. But but you know, you got to be able to notice say say the right thing at the right time and know what your people are ready for. And and that seems to be the actual issue. To get to James's question, that um, it seems like Apollos, for everything good that he is and that he does, he gave them stuff that they weren't ready for. Yeah, and what you said about pastors here, you know, think about doctors. So we've got real, yeah. really good doctor that you can look up online. You're like, wow, look at that, and that, that diagnosis, which is different than a doctor that's with you and said, yeah, that's a really interesting point. But 
there's something else going on with your body. And this is what yeah. I see. We're a mechanic saying, I yeah. like to listen to car shows. And, and that's, well, that's a good point. But that's different than a professional mechanic looking at your car and saying, well, you know what? That's a great thing, but that's really not what's going on here. And in the same way yeah. pastoral care, you can learn a lot, like what we're doing right now. People are listening yeah. to us all over the country. But there's something different about having your pastor saying, yeah, that's great. And, and I agree with that. But, you know, I'm talking to you right here now, uh, and this is what's going on. Yeah, so no, and that— yeah, no, it really, it really is a temptation, and it's, uh, it's one that we fall into easily be, because it, it appeals to our, our own conceitedness and, and, and vanity, ego, right? Because we just think to ourselves, mm-hmm. like, oh, well, you know, I know what I'm ready for. I know what I need, what I want, because I'm the user, right? I mean, this is the way that we—it's kind of a dominant metaphor, right? Mm-hmm. It's like I will pull out my phone and pick the apps that I need and find the the podcasts that I want, right? And, and we have a very, like, just user-determined, user-centric kind of mentality for everything. And it seeps into mm-hmm. not just things that are on our phone, but, like, our whole worldview. And, and so we start to downplay the idea, like you were saying, uh, th- these mo- these few moments in life where we're still humbled, <laughs> like when we go into the to the mechanic shop or we go to the doctor's office and we're like, okay, actually, like the doctor needs to kind of tell me what I need. Though though we're kind of even drifting from that, right? Because it's like you know we we're going to the doctor's office with like you know all our stuff you know bookmarked from WebMD and it's sort of like, no, doctor, let me tell you, <laughs> you know. So I mean, yeah. it's it's a, it's a real problem though. Well, you bring up that humility. It's, it's really interesting because the text brings that up in verse yeah. 9 because yeah. it talks about we are, Paul and Apollos are God's workers, but the church is the field or God's field, God's building. It's, it's actually a really passive, receptive thing, which really works against our desire to be the user, as you said. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's right. Yeah, no, the, the whole user metaphor, it, we're, we're definitely the agents, right? I mean, we, we know what we need, yeah. we choose, and it's on demand, everything, right? It's, you know, like, you know, when I want it, where I want it, how I want it. Um, but yeah, but no, you're right. Like, in, in this view, of, like, of pastoral care, of, of being watered, <laughs> you know, I was just watering mm-hmm. the plants yesterday, I've been doing all this stuff in the patio, and it's like, Man, like the plants, it's it's all up to me, you know. I'm like, you know what, guys, you look like you're getting too big for this pot. I'm transplanting you. You two are growing too close together. I'm splitting you up. Like, you know what? I'm gonna like cut you here. I'm gonna try to get a cutting going here, and that's not gonna be fun for the plant. Plants in the I, I use metaphors like, oh, the plant's mad at me, you know. Like it's it, you know, I, I did this mm-hmm. to it. I'm making it work harder and grow roots, but it'll 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 thank me later, you know. And, and like this is a this is such an apt metaphor where it's just describing how passive we really are before God and even the ones that he sends to care for us on his behalf. Yeah, our, our spirituality is, is a, and I'm borrowing from a guy named John Kleinig, uh, professor out yeah. of Australia, that is, is a passive yeah. spirituality often. And, and even with the pastors, when they use the, the plants, metaphors, like that, you know, we help with conditions for growth. You know, we might water the plants and so forth, but really it's God in the end that gives any growth. And even for our gardens and our house plants, I mean, you can do everything that you want to get the conditions right. But there are some plants that don't grow and some that do. And, and, and it's really up to God in the end. Uh, and the field yeah. and the building is kind of the, the thing being worked on. Yep. Yeah, I know. And I like that too, that he shifts into the building metaphor. And that that is the common point, right? That they're both mm-hmm. passive. 
the the building has no say like oh hey a little bit more over here guys you know like uh <laughs> oh hey shore up the foundation on this side or oh don't use that material no the, it's the building it just it, it happens and and i and i think you're you're spot on that this is a, we we're no we know we're using the metaphor the right way when the lord jesus uses the metaphor the same way also like in mark mm-hmm. i recall he, he talks about there's that there's the other metaphor of the sower um that we don't hear as much where he says you know the sower he is he, he goes and he plants the seed and he goes every day outside and he's like hey look it looks bigger and he didn't know what's going on right like it just it just happens um and it's mm-hmm. it's kind of like that it's just like this thing is just it's just happening because god gives the growth and we're going to be talking more uh, about this growth um when we get back here, it's time for our break. But everybody, hang on, looking at 1 Corinthians 3 on Thy Strong Word. Be right back. Did you know that for over 40 years, Lutheran Church Extension Fund has had the humble privilege of supporting Lutheran Church Missouri Synod Ministries with low-cost loans and resources? This is Rahema Kavuga, Synod Relations Manager of Lutheran Church Extension Fund. Because of faithful investors like you, we've been able to help church workers, congregations, schools, and organizations. To learn how you can get involved, call 800-843-8233. I'm KFUO's Kip Allen. I'm a committed Lutheran, but I'm just a layman with no special theological training. Like many of us, I have questions and I seek guidance. I need answers given to me in a language I can understand. That's what this program's all about. Let's talk. The pastor is in. Friday afternoon at 2 on KFUO, the messenger of good news. Concord Matters is the program where we seek to be of one mind that is the mind of Christ. And to do that, Christ-confessing Concordians read through and discuss the Book of Concord, which is our Lutheran confession of faith drawn from Holy Scripture, so that you too may be of one mind and confess with Christ. Be sure to listen every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Central on KFUO Radio or anytime on KFUO.org or anywhere you get your podcasts. Until we convene for Concord again, keep confessing, church. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Uh, so many really interesting things here to talk about. Already a couple of good questions have come in, and we're going to try to spend a little bit more time on some of those. Um, if you do mm-hmm. have any questions for us and you're listening live, join the conversation. Give us a call at one 800 730 or if you're in St. Louis, you can call 314-821-0850. Also, you can send in uh, questions over email, kfuo at kfuo.org. Or you can hop on the live stream, facebook.com slash AJ Espinosa. And uh, you can just, well, I mean, you can just give a thumbs up or a hi or something like that. But you can also post any questions or observations that you have there as well. Um, if you have any for for me and for our guest today, Pastor Ryan Fairman, pastor at Zion Lutheran Church, Wausau, Wisconsin. So we were just talking about how there is this uh, really passive 
you know, plant and, and this passive building metaphor where it's, there's not this like, okay, I know what I need and what I want. Right. Um, which mm-hmm. I think then is, is kind of ironic. Uh, I mentioned this, uh, in the introduction, we talk about spiritual food and we talk about being spiritually fed and, um, I feel like I've heard a lot, actually, people talk about this. And I hear about it from people that I would say probably think of themselves as very spiritually mature even. And they might use that term, too. And I would even say they're, they're, they're mature. Like, they're, they're, they're the, you know, the people who are, you know, they're, they're going to Bible studies and they, they're taking their kids to Sunday school and they're being very intentional, right? But, but they'll say mm-hmm. things like, I'm not sure we're being spiritually fed here. Or when this pastor preaches, I don't know if I'm really being spiritually fed. And that's a really interesting comment, kind of especially in light of what Paul is saying here, because the baby doesn't get to really make this evaluation, does he? <laughs> it, it's, it, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, not, it's not the user metaphor. It's, it's the planting and the building one. I don't know. What, what do you think about that? Well, uh, that's certainly true. I, I guess there's two ways you can take that. There is a, a fairness that, you know, we don't want people to be ignorant in the pews, and so they do judge the preaching of their pastor. That's right. And, and so it's, it's possible that they need to talk to the pastor and say, um, you don't seem to be talking in line with Scripture. I think what most people mean by that, though, and, and I, don't want, I don't want to make people, I don't want to step on toes, but is that, that they're they're not being entertained enough or this not, it's not interesting enough. Like there's not a new point here or a new discovery. It's the same old, same old. And yet sometimes the meat German tradition from my home, you know, you you have the meat and potatoes every day. And I don't remember what I ate last year at this time, but I'm here today because of it. Yeah. 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 And I've, I've heard that, that saying, and it makes a lot of sense, right? Um, That, that there is actually a lot of value for, Stuff that, I, I mean, the thing is, like, we, we are so, especially today, very academically inclined, right? You know, the millennial generation is the most educated one that, you know, history's ever seen, right? Way too many, many mm-hmm. of us are running around with PhDs or in PhD pro- programs, you know, guilty here, right? Uh, so, I mean, <laughs> you know, and so we have this very academic mindset. And so it's easy to go into sermons um, and Sunday morning feeling like I need to learn something like a lesson today, right? Like it's time for mm-hmm. me to kind of advance in the syllabus so I can get more of my like credit unit units or credit hours, right? But we have to take a step back and say it's that that is an element of it, teaching. But I mean, what, what and we and we use that word even like teaching, like teaching and preaching, right? Um, and, I, and I even will say, like, you know, I, I really think of what I do as a pastor as teaching. However, I think it's a—you got to take a step back and think about it. It's, it's not the same kind of teaching. I mean, this is not like a, a, a user-directed experience where this is like, I know what I'm interested in and what I, what I want to learn about and what program I want to go to. And so I'm going to go and get this information and I will use it, right? Like, that's— that's, I mean, actually, in Paul's own words, that is a merely human and kind of fleshy way of thinking. Um, what we're I talking it's a about. American way of thinking, too. Yeah. Um, we're very well, yeah, yeah, yeah. What am I getting out of this yeah. for me? And, and we might yeah. be getting something out of it, as the phrase goes, and yeah. not realizing it. Yeah, no, no, that, it's exactly right. I mean, like, it's really, in some ways, 
a better word for what the pastor is trying to do it, than teaching is enculturating, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, and I know that 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 sounds really weird, right? Because there's lots of people who would say like, "What? Like, we don't want just you know cultural Christians." Well, but like in some ways, it's like kind of actually what we're going for that that we're trying to not just like kind of educate people and give people knowledge that they can use. But shaping people and shaping their lives and habituating them and enculturating them into something new, right? I mean, and that's, yeah. uh, I think, and, like, and what, what actually— it's a metaphor because you use yep. culture, yep. comes from cultivate, and we get back to God's field again. Thank you. Yep, ex- exactly. It's, you know, cultivation and also the same thing you with buildings that, like, you know, these were the sites of the cultus, mm-hmm. like, you know, the, the, the worship center, right? So, yeah, there's there's this other side to it. So, um, yeah, to, to what you were saying, you know, yeah, I'm not trying to say like, if you've ever said, like, oh, I don't know if I'm being spiritually fed that you're just, you know, you're a lost cause. And like, no, like, I, I'm pretty sure I've said the same thing, all right? But we just got to watch ourselves, I think, when we say that stuff. And we got to take a step back and say, okay, maybe there is some truth that uh, I I need kind of a certain thing. But I should be having a conversation with my pastor about that um, because Mm -hmm. he's the one that God has put me. He's the one that God's put in my life who's going to try to give me what I'm ready for. And so if, if I think I'm ready for something and he thinks I'm not, like I should have a conversation with him. Um, and, and it shouldn't be like, I should look for a new preacher, right? Correct. And I think there's also something, as we had talked earlier before the break about, you know, the, the relationship on the ground versus listening to someone online only, is yeah. that if if you go in with the attitude, this guy that's standing up there cares about me and is interested in my growth and my health, you're, you're more receptive to what he's going to say. I often find sometimes people are not receptive because they've determined that they're not going to be receptive. Uh, and yeah. so they, you know, whatever someone says, it doesn't matter. It's, I'm not going to receive it. And so there's, there's some of that that goes on too. I mean, there, Corinth is, is an encapsulation of, of, you know, pastoral life and congregational life uh, that we have today. Yeah, you know, no, it, it really, it really is. So the, the whole dynamic is, it's just so pastoral, with with Paul, mm-hmm. it, it really just it, it is a, an amazing window into uh, what what God is has purposed for us in this the parish setting, right? Uh, yeah, you know, yeah. It, it is it is remarkable, and um, so yeah, so so kind of then uh, getting back into the text more specifically, so yeah, this idea, um, he who uh, God who gives the growth, right? At, at the end of the day, um, and and then there's this bit. Where he's going into the the stuff about the the building, um, and you get into the mm-hmm. stuff about fire. Okay, so <laughs> things are heating up, and uh, and then uh, I don't know. Let's let's talk about this here. So, what what is he trying to get at with this relationship between himself and Apollos? Because it doesn't it seem like like Cephas has kind of just faded away. Like Cephas was maybe I've, I've heard this before that Cephas is kind of a rhetorical device. Like no one was actually saying I am of Christ or I was I am of Cephas. It was the congregation was actually just split between Paul and Apollos. Um, but he, but he's throwing it in there in chapter one, so it's like not all about me versus him because he's not wanting to make it a battle of personalities, right? Like that's not his objective. Mm-hmm. It's like guys, don't get me wrong. Like I don't. Like I don't dislike Apollos. It's not a popularity contest, guys. Right, but mm-hmm. but he's, he's he seems to be really trying to like make this point, and um, you know, and it's just so interesting. In verse nine, he says, "You know, we're God's fellow workers." Yeah, I 
I don't I don't think it's merely a rhetorical flourish. I mean, if if you work in a uh, a ministry where there's multiple pastors, or in my case, a sole pastor, but there's been popular pastors before, you know, people do gravitate to different people, and, and that can come up. And, and while you can enjoy the ministry of one person over another, Paul doesn't want you to say, well, look, we're working together, uh, this cultivation, this building, this craftsmanship, we all have different skills, we're all pointed in. So I, I don't think it's just merely rhetorical. But as he, he, he moves his metaphor from, you know, the, the planting to the building, uh, what he's getting into is that he really wants to talk about the base of all this, and that is Christ. Right. And, and, and that all of us are working to build together. I often kind of say we organize ourselves in circuits in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. And, and, and sometimes different churches get a little snide with each other. And I always just say that we, we all have the same boss. And here yeah. he's saying we all have the same base you know, yeah. that we're working from. And, and there's different materials. He's pulling a lot of pictures now out of the Old Testament. And perhaps Apollo was known as a real good guy for Old Testament stuff. Some people even think he wrote Hebrews, Luther yeah. did. Uh, yeah. and, and so he goes in and he's talking master builders, foundations, temples, and, you know, there's these connections, our Old Testament connections, and the precious stones, the silver and the gold, that's what they used in the temple. Yep. And, and yep. he finally says, in the end, let us build, and the work will be tested in the, in the Lord's day when he comes. And he's not even saying that anyone's going to be unsafe. He's just going to yeah. say some builders are more skilled than others, but we're all still building off that same base. Yeah, that's okay. Thank, thank you for breaking that down, because I, I think that this there are a couple things that get confused really quickly. Um, but I like mm-hmm. what you said. You said earlier, we all have the same boss, right? And uh, I, I think that's yeah. actually the right interpretation of verse 9 in particular, um, because when you, when you say we're, we're co-workers of God, in English, that sounds like, I don't know, we hang out with God in the, sta- in the staff break room. Um, you know, like, like, we're, like we're, we're like his coworkers, but I, I think, I think you're right that the, it's more like we are coworkers, right. Of God, like in the sense mm-hmm. of like, I don't know, I might say that, I don't know, like me and my Godfather, I might say we're like, we're God family or something like that. But I, I just mean to say that, you know, he's my Godfather, I'm his Godson. And, uh, kind of all of that is in God. Right. But I'm not trying to say anything like. I, I don't know, like he's the father of God or that I'm the son of God. <laughs> That's not what I'm yeah. trying to say. So so I think that, yeah, he, he's trying to say that, you know, he and Apollos and Peter, they all had the same boss. They're coworkers. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I agree that like, it, it might be that in fact, some people really did say, you know, I, I am, a, I'm of Cephas because Peter was, I mean, renowned. He was huge um, in, in Jerusalem. And then apparently later in, in Rome. Um, but, but the thing is, I think that here you do have Apollos and and Paul uh, emerging as the two most prominent, at least in Corinth. Mm-hmm. So it seems to be primarily a, about them. And so when you're talking about this building stuff, I think I think you're I think you're onto it that he is kind of using this imagery, which kind of would have evoked what Apollos was saying, using a lot of this very eloquent Old Testament stuff. But the point being, he's he's talking about Apollos. And Paul building, right? So this this isn't like I, I don't. I mean, I, I feel like this verse gets used to like I don't know support like purgatory or something like that, right? 
if anyone's work is burned up, he'll mm-hmm. suffer loss. But though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire there in verse 15. But I, I think the, yeah, I think the point is, is that, Catholics for that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think I think you're right. It's, it's talking about Paul's work as a preacher, as a, as a pastor, and Apollos's work as a preacher, as, as a pastor. And, and the question is, what what will come of their work? And, and he's like he's not at all saying Apollos is not Christian or he's going to hell. He's not saying anything like that. He's just nope. saying, it, as as builders, we have to be really careful with what we're doing because well, and because of what happens in verse sixteen, because they aren't just building any building; they're building God's temple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what you, on fifteen. Uh, you made a good point that the, the whole section is talking about the ministry that's going on right now, not about an individual Christian out there somewhere. Um, but even if we would, even if we would want to say that it was about individual Christians, the idea of purgatory is not in fifteen because it, the, the the fire happens fast there. That's the image: is a, is a building burning down, not some yeah, slow, long true. process of purification. But yeah, he gets he gets down to, you know. All of you are are this temple that's being built, which is fantastic. You know, uh, Paul uses this in various places. Peter uses this, you know, that we're spiritual stones, lively stones being built. And it's quite an honor, actually, to be chosen to be part of this dwelling place for God's Spirit. Um, yeah, no, so it's, it's, again, it's a passive thing. Yeah. Well, and also it's, it's a passive thing, right, Which which is, I think— one thing that we underestimate when we talk about, like, you know, oh, I'm, I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit or something like that. Uh, but then the the other thing is, it's a collective thing. And this is, this, is, uh, this is actually one of the reasons why I really like the Net Bible, uh, the, the New English mm-hmm. translation that's available online for free, because they have a, a copious amount of notes. Um, and here, actually, the ESV, thankfully, does have a footnote on this, um, that the U is plural, in verses 16 mm-hmm. and 17. And the ESV doesn't always give you that, um, but I, I, it's really worth checking out because I, I think here the point is that the congregation, uh, re- really here on, on the one level, but really the whole people of God is this temple in Christ Jesus. And so it's not like mm-hmm. each individual person is running around with their own personal temple that they, they've got to, you know, take care of and, you know, eat lots of healthy things and do lots of exercise and stay away from drugs because that's how the, the the temple stays pure. Hey, those are all good things, right? But I, I mm-hmm. think that we, again, we, we, we're we kind of subverting the bigger picture metaphor that Paul's using. It's not like we are kind of self-constructing our own individual personal temples. Our, our temp, the temple is all of us together as, as a people. Yes. Uh, and, and Paul will talk about individuals at another place in that sense, like in, I think, chapter 6. But here, it is the collective. It is is talking about the congregation or, or the church together. And the, you don't have to go as far on the Internet if, up to the Net Bible. You can also pick up the King James, and whenever you see the word ye, Y-E, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then you know you're, t- you're talking plural. The these and the thousands are the singulars. Yeah, that's right. That's true. Uh, the, King, the King James is actually very useful like that. <laughs> in that way, yes, it is. A little hard to understand sometimes, but useful in that way. <laughs> just just um, all the other words that are hard. <laughs> uh, and it's interesting, the 17, that it's, it's almost we, we go off topic a little bit for a second, where Paul says, you know, if anyone's going to destroy this temple, God's going to take him down. 
because uh, we've been talking about building and unity and all this this kind of stuff. Uh, and so there's a little bit of a warning for false teachers in there, I think. Uh, or yeah, those yeah right. Lay their own stuff, own base on that. Yeah, no, that's that's right. Well, and, and I don't think that th- that he is at all trying to actually say that Apollos is one of those false no. teachers. I don't think it like all no. he's trying to say that. I think. You know, because I mean, again, like you know, like you said, Luther thought that Apollos wrote uh, Hebrews, and I and I actually am very fond of that idea. So I, I think Apollos was fine and good. It's just that he was. It seems like he was wrong to go too fast, too early, too soon with the Corinthians, and this has happened. That Paul's actually had to correct other, you know, mm-hmm. Holy Spirit inspired preachers. He had to he had to correct Peter, right? You know, and think he's Peter. He's you know leader of the twelve. You know, first among these equals, and mm-hmm. um, you know, you know, bishop in Rome, as the tradition goes, right, and all this stuff. But he had to correct him, right? So it's like they they're not they're not perfect in everything that they do, but uh, they're definitely not false teachers. Though he has this warning for uh, the ones who will seemingly come later in Second uh, Corinthians, mm-hmm. right? But um, hold hold that thought. We actually have James uh, following up on some of the questions he sent in over email. He's on the phone with a question for Pastor Fairman here. Good morning, James. Good to have you back. Uh, What's your question, brother? Good morning. Uh, uh, Good morning. It's good to uh, hear the good pastor and yourself uh, today. We're really enjoying uh, the program. I'd like to kind of talk about um, to have the pastor, because I heard him mention some uh, reformers and some other Christian minds as he was talking to you today. And I'd mm-hmm. like to have him contrast how Jonathan Edwards would evangelize these naughty by nature <laughs> Corinthians as yeah. opposed to uh, Paul and his approach yeah. to evangelism. Yeah. And so if he could uh, contrast how he thinks Jonathan Edwards would have evangelized these uh, Corinthians as opposed to how Paul is approaching him. It's a, it's a fascinating sure. question, James. Thank you. Yeah, I'll, uh, go, go ahead, brother. Sure. I've got a little bit of a history background. So um, Edwards was awesome. a well-known colonial preacher, and uh, yep. well-known, uh, he, he kind of goes on the uh, the First Great Awakening, almost kind of piggybacks on, on the end of it. And uh, he's famous for one particular sermon. I actually had to read in school. I don't think that they have you read sermons in school anymore. I, wasn't I, had, I had to read this one. Sinners in the hands of an angry God yep. uh, is, a, is, the, is the famous sermon. And uh, the critique that, that we would probably have from a, from the Lutheran perspective of Edwards is that he's not a good balancer of law and gospel often. And so he's an excellent preacher of the law. He'll have you shaken in your boots. But once he has you shaken in your boots, the salve of the gospel is not always there. And so it's, yeah. it's difficult to speculate what a historical figure would exactly do. Um, but with that kind of idea, I think that he would probably lay on the law a little harder uh, than, than Paul. Paul. I mean, Paul's inspired by the Holy Spirit. You can't beat that kind of preaching, no matter who you are. Uh-huh. Uh, and so Paul's division of law and gospel is always, you know, flawless. Uh, it's, it's, it's spirit-inspired. And so as myself included as regular preachers, there are times that we might err in application. So if I had to guess, I would say that Edwards, if he would err, would err on the side of law sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. And I think um, certainly the excerpt that I had to read in school 
uh, was because they didn't make us read the whole thing. It was just this excerpt. But right. the one that they gave us was like all the fire and the brimstone, but none of the salve of the gospel. But like it was it was much later in life that I finally went back and I looked at Edward's entire sermon and I was like. Well, now, hang on. They didn't include any of the good gospel stuff in the excerpt in school because, actually, that sermon is full of gospel, um, and I, I, I didn't right. even know that. And, uh, and the thing was, like, actually, um, what, you know, having then also—I actually really love reading old sermons. Um, it's just—it's really mm-hmm. cool. I, my, my history is—, is is not nearly as as good as as yours is. I'm more like a language background, but like I, I've read some, like Luther sermons and like Walther sermons, um, and like some mm-hmm. Chrysostom sermons. And I, honestly, I felt like Edwards, um, I, I felt like his sermons were actually not like too different from like like a Walther or something like that. That um, they, they, yeah, they they had a lot of law and uh, yeah, Walther too. Like even more than we might think, but. Uh, that that we should mm-hmm. have today. Uh, I think the bigger thing is that they're like forty five minutes long, like like Luther's sermons. <laughs> but but you know, like Mister Mister Law and Gospel himself, Walter, right? Like uh, he says that the gospel should like predominate, but that that doesn't mean that like it needs to be fifty one percent of the words, right? So right, um, not a measurement. And I'm not saying it, Edwards didn't yeah. know the gospel. I'm just saying that yeah, yeah. If, if if he was going to error, I would guess on the side of the law. And yeah, and funny enough. When we're when we're upset and mad, sometimes we all do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Guilty here. Oh yeah, right. It's just, um, yeah. But yeah, no. I, th- I, I, I think th- I think when you compare preachers to to scripture, I, I think what happens is is that it's a refining process. So for me, you know, my sermons are always going to have some place for improvement because I'm a fallible person. And oh, yeah. I can compare yeah. it to Paul sure. and say, okay, how is Paul doing this? That, And I can see an improvement in myself. And so, again, for Edwards, too, it's odd to compare sometimes someone that's not inspired directly, like Paul is, to you know us regular folks in that way. We're not apostles uh, in that. So I, yeah. I bet, you know, Edwards prob- probably would draw right from the Scriptures. He might even draw from Corinthians for his—he was a master of, of pictures and illusions uh, when yeah. he would preach. Illusion with an A, not an I. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, well, and that's and that's actually—I think, I think you're getting a, a good point, though, that Paul and Edwards were preaching to very different situations, though. Like, you mentioned that, like, mm-hmm. Edwards was in the—was in around the same time of, like, the Great Awakening— so I mean, there you're talking about a situation where, the, the, like the gospel, everyone's familiar with the gospel there in in, in like the in, in the colonies and in, in, in this like place and time, but the thing is, uh, it, it's 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 gotten dull, it's gotten routine, it's gotten rote. People are kind of like outwardly acknowledging it, but but we've we've kind of actually allowed other things to hijack and co- and co-opt the gospel, and so that's a different situation than mm-hmm. uh, Paul's situation where it's like a brand new congregation. They're still learning, as he's saying, the, the, the nuts and bolts, the, the spiritual milk. I mean, so, I mean, I, I think it's really difficult, as you were saying, to co- compare because they're preaching to really different situations. And I think that those different kinds of situations shaped their preaching careers. I mean, and in that way, it's kind of hard to even compare preachers at all because if, if a preacher mm-hmm. is doing the right thing, he's, he's giving his people what they need— and not just kind of the most interesting things that, you, you know, like it, it can be thought of. And so um, I, I do think that 
in the end, this is getting back, it's back to like the text uh, in verse 21. So let no one boast in men for all things right. are yours. I mean, that's such an interesting way of putting it because it's like, guys, it, it's not really about which preacher was, was better or which one was more accurate or which one had a better balance of law and gospel necessarily in the sense of like I'm evaluating it all. Uh, but but rather, mm-hmm. um, it, it's about the God behind it giving us what we need. All things are ours, but God is the one who chooses which things to give us at a particular time. And we don't always know. I mean, in a sense, uh, 19, the wisdom of the world is folly. You yeah. know, he catches the wise in their craftiness. That, 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 that God gives us what we need. And, and, and we're not always cognizant of, of that need. In fact, in 19, I, I like I always talk about it catches the wise and the craftiness, and that's the cross right there. They thought they needed to get rid of Christ. Instead, in their craftiness, yeah. the salvation of the world is brought about. And so sometimes we have a tendency to think we know more uh, than, than what God is up to. And, and, we're, and, and we're actually wrong about that. Yeah, well, no, that, that, that's so true, right? And I think that, like, any any Christian um, with, like, a few years, right, under, under their belt, like, has seen this happen, where you, you, you think to yourself, like, hey, what I really need is God to be doing this. God's destroying my faith right now by not giving me what I need. Uh, why, why would he let that happen? Well, it's like the plant, right? Like, when, when he's being transplanted mm-hmm. or a cutting or something like that, and it's like, you don't know what the gardener's plan is and what seems terrible and destructive to you at the time— is actually the thing that could be, you know, saving your life and saving ultimately your soul, really. I mean, and it gets to that, right? Um, whether Paul or Apollos mm-hmm. or Cephas or the, or the world or life or death or the present or future, I mean, he's going into this, you know, very much uh, the coming of Christ, all things, the fulfillment of all things. And, hey, that's a, that's a big, big horizon. Trust that God is going to give you what you need. Um, don't try to navigate that yourself. Right, there's that receptive thought that comes up again, God's field, God's building, all are yours. So whether it's Paul or Jonathan Edwards or your pastor now, you know, these are gifts to you, the word brought of Christ to you. Yeah, passive recipients of Christ's grace through and through. Thank you so much, brother. Loved the conversation, got into a lot of good stuff. Thank you. Uh, God bless your ministry and look forward to talking to you again soon. Everybody, that was Pastor Ryan Fairman, pastor at Zion in Wausau, Wisconsin. Going on to Chapter 4 next time. Till then, I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. Peace. You've been listening to Thy Strong Word, produced by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Senate Office of National Mission in cooperation with Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the LCMS. Your support is vital for this program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting Thy Strong Word.